Diverse is brought to you by SWE Advance, supporting the recruitment, retention, and advancement of women in engineering through career resources, professional development, and one-to-one networking opportunities. Hi, I'm Jonna Gherkin, FY18 President of the Society of Women Engineers, and this is SWE's Diverse Podcast Series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more details. Joining me now as part of our Women Executives in Engineering podcast series is Alicia Green. She is a Stanford graduate with a degree in mathematical and computational sciences with more than 25 years at Chevron. Her current role is general manager of Upstream IT for Chevron. Thanks for joining us, Alicia. Thank you for having me. So can you start with telling us a little bit about your background in the career and how did you get into computer science? Yeah, for me, it was all about math. Uh, I really loved math um, as a kid um, and wound up, um, you know, taking, you know, AP calculus uh, senior year. Um, you know, math, math relaxed me. I was a track athlete. And during track meets, when I would get nervous, I'd actually do calculus uh, to calm me, <laughs> which was disheartening to some other people. But that's what uh, that's what it did. You know, education was very important in my family. My mother definitely encouraged all of us to um, further our education. So as I went to college, all I knew was, you know, I really liked math. I wanted to do something with that. And as I was flipping through the syllabus, I saw this major mathematical and computational sciences. And um, that was the one that I decided to, to go for. It had a bit of math, uh, statistics, operations research, and uh, computer science. And once I, uh, you know, was about to graduate, I then just looked to um, see what that type of degree would allow me to do. And that's how I kind of got into uh, computer science. As I started with Chevron, I started out as a programmer analyst uh, in California. And uh, the rest, as they say, is kind of history. <laughs> and now you've been at Chevron for 25 years. So uh, I understand you've had lots of different roles and you're in Houston now, but you've lived in some interesting places. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I've been very fortunate uh, working for a company uh, like Chevron that is global in nature. So this is actually my second time living in Houston. I feel like I'm kind of on my second lap. So I started in California. Um, you know, while there, I was able to visit several places while working. I actually spent a year working in Germany, um, visited places like Hong Kong and Seoul, Korea. Uh, you know, we first moved to Houston in uh, 2005, and then after that, I was in New Orleans uh, right after Katrina. We were there for five years, and uh, then it was off to Thailand. We spent uh, two and a half years uh, based in Bangkok, and while there, um, I actually had responsibility for uh, Thailand, Bangladesh, uh, Myanmar, Cambodia, Vietnam, and China. Um, and so I got to travel around to some quite interesting places. Uh, Myanmar was was very interesting. I went there right after the sanctions were lifted. 
um, and going into a country uh, like that to understand how um, we could potentially set up an office there um, in a country that had been, you know, closed to us for so long and various places uh, in China, um, you know, cities I had never heard of, um, you know, where we put, uh, you know, our energy facilities are not necessarily where, you know, many people live. And so I got to see some um, very uh, interesting uh you know, countrysides as I traveled uh, throughout China and uh, Bangladesh. And honestly, did you ever think that your love of math would lead you to Southeast Asia and Myanmar? No, not at all. Uh, you know, many times when I'm visiting these different places, it, it is a wonder to to realize that that that's where I am. You know, the you know the industry, the en- energy industry, uh, really is a very uh, fascinating. Um, uh, you know, work and industry that we have, you know, it, it provides such a service to, to people, um, around the world. And it's been, uh, just fascinating learning about the different cultures, um, seeing the, uh, benefits that, uh, people get from, you know, having, um, you know, affordable and clean, um, energy, and it's been, you know, it's been a very challenging career, which is why I've stayed so long. It's, um, there's lots of interesting um, aspects to it. And working for a company like Chevron, um, you're also allowed to uh, really interact with the uh, people where we operate. That sounds like a wonderful experience. Are there any things that you learned during that experience that you think are important to share with our listeners? First, I think you need to really kind of figure out what it is that that you truly have a passion for. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, for me, you know, at a young age, that was math. And um, and then, you know, see where you can apply it, um, because I think really that intersection of the, um, you know, that passion as well as your aptitude really, you know, gives you the uh, chance to do something really good. The other thing is don't be afraid to take chances. Um, and, you know, as you said before, I never imagined I would be in these different places. Uh, but I think one of the reasons why I was able uh, to do that is I was never kind of afraid to raise my hand. Um, was definitely nervous about some of the things that, uh, you know, I took on. But for me, um, you know, as I've gone through my career, it's really around those jobs that I've been the most nervous about are the ones that have stretched me the most. That's great advice. And certainly international travel is hard enough on a regular basis for folks, whether and even if they don't have a family, but you do, you have a daughter. Tell us a little bit about how you managed that balance while you were doing all this traveling. Well, you know, it really takes a village. And I think that's one of the things that as women, we really have to um, accept help and know that you can't do it all on your own. Um, You know, I am very fortunate to have a husband who is very supportive and true partnership uh, between the two of us, as well as have a supportive family and friend system. So I'd mentioned earlier spending, you know, a year in Germany. Well, My daughter was 18 months old at the time, 
And when I um, was actually presented with that opportunity, my husband had just uh, uh, basically uh, got on with a startup. And so then there was, you know, choice decisions and it, it was, you know, how, you know, how do, how do we balance this? And again, it wasn't the two of us. We really looked to our family and then having a company that was supportive, that didn't make me choose between, you know, being a good mother or taking on an opportunity. And so, you know, I was actually able to take family members with me over to Germany uh, to care for uh, my daughter while I was there. And so we just rotated them through. So you, you can't really think about a typical way to, to do these things. You really have to figure out what is most effective for your life. Um, but the one thing I do know is that you can't do it by yourself and that you really need to look around to your support system uh, to help you with that. And, you know, and this, that really has, you know, open some great opportunities for my daughter. She's a sophomore um, in college right now, and she is just a travel bug because uh, we've, we've taken her to many different places and uh, she loves uh, traveling. And she also has a network of friends um, from around the world. So she's truly an international citizen. Um, so I look at that as a benefit to being able to do that international travel, um, you know, keep the family together. And the great thing about it is having the different family members come. Um, you know, I was able to actually have my mom and dad come with me and they had never been outside the United States before that opportunity uh, came up. Uh, so you, you look at these things as opportunities and not as obstacles to overcome. That's awesome. And you just mentioned your daughter who is in college and she happens to be majoring in a STEM field. Um, so tell us a little about what you've taught her about what it's like to survive in the STEM fields. Well, I think the first thing is that it's not easy. <laughs> and all of us that have majored in, uh, you know, various, you know, science, technology, you know, engineering and math know that, uh, you know, there, there are courses that, that are difficult. Uh, you know, last year my daughter was taking organic chemistry and it was difficult and she called us up and we were talking, you know, talking to her about it. And at one point she was thinking about dropping it and we said, no, you know, this is just one you have to get through. Not everybody is going to be, you know, a star in organic chemistry, but it's one of those, uh, classes that is, um, uh, you know, a fundamental and you just need to get through it. And, and you'll be fine. I think many times uh, when, you know, we, you get that first maybe bump in the road, if you don't have somebody to go back to, to, to tell you that, hey, it is going to be bumpy, but you can get back up and, and get through it. And you just build um, from that. You know, many times, uh, you know, women or people of color, you know, where the stereotype is that, that we can't do uh, you know, math or science. And then, you know, that first piece of difficulty that happens, it could discourage us unless you have that voice that's uh, telling you, hey, it's okay. It, it's supposed to be hard. You're going to, you know, have a few setbacks, but that doesn't mean that you can't persevere and go through. Great, great point. And we always talk about role models and how do role models fit in here? 
I think role models are super important. Uh, they really help to overcome any of those negative stereotypes that are out there. I remember taking a uh, psychology class in um, college and it talked about the importance of role models. I remember reading a, um, a, a piece that talked about, you know, women um, in science courses and the research showed that, you know, as they followed, you know, several, several women through these different science courses that women that had women professors actually did better than the women that had men professors. And, um, you know, as the research went, they found that um, there was a correlation between that role, that role modeling, that they saw someone that looked like them that had already succeeded and was an expert in the area. And by that very nature, that allowed the women to really understand that they could do it as well. Um, and so I've, I've held that that with me um, that, you know, having role models and then also being being a role model is very important to to help, um, you know, folks uh, meet their goals. Well, which brings us easily into SWE, which we uh, try to provide role models for women at all stages of their career. So you're been, you've been an active member. And why is SWE important? You know, I think SWE is important because it. You know, it really looks at the, you know, the full, the whole pipeline, um, you know, encouraging young girls to get interested, you know, in math and science. You know, it's it's important that um, that starts early, you know, having, you know, as early as third and fourth grade to ensure that, um, you know, young girls are actually, you know, at their their grade level for math. Uh, because very quickly, you know, those those fundamentals really build upon themselves. And, you know, if you're not at, uh, you know, math, you know, your math level at grade three and four, then it could prevent you from taking algebra, you know, in seventh and eighth grade, and then ultimately being able to take calculus your senior year so that you can go um, into college and major in science, technology, engineering, and math. And so, you know, SWE provides... Um, you know, lots of different avenues to, you know, showcase, um, you know, the talents of women and in engineering and what, you know, it takes to actually, you know, make it in those fields. And then as you come through college, it also, SWE also provides that opportunity for college students to learn more about the different careers that they could pursue, um, you know, via uh, various uh, conferences as well as you know job fairs and getting um, you know relevant internships, and then ultimately, you know, when folks get into um, industry, you know, allowing that networking. Um, so that, you know, women that are in the science, technology, engineering, and math um, have others that they can rely on and also use as mentors to help climb the ladder um, through whatever field uh, that they're in. You're also involved in the 50K Coalition Advisory Board, which SWE is also a part of. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about the program, the 50K Coalition? 
Yes. So the 50K Coalition is a partnership between uh, SWE, uh, NSBE, which is the National Society of Black Engineers, uh, SHIP, which is, which is the Society of Hispanic um, Engineers, and ASIS, which is the American Indian Society, Society of Engineers. Um, and the 50K stands for the goal of graduating 50,000 engineers um, by 2025. You know, again, all of these different organizations, much like SWE, are doing great things um, in the community. The thing is, is that we still haven't seen a huge um, impact um, in the increase of diverse uh, engineers. And so what we're trying to do now is really, you know, basically get the best practices of all of these groups as well as others together. So to have more of a collective impact in order to get to the 50,000 um, students. And again, it's all about, you know, making sure that we have the appropriate pipeline of students um, that will go into engineering then once they're in the uh, colleges, that they actually stay in the various um, STEM fields and then graduate and go on to successful careers. And what is your role on the advisory board? So in the advisory board, I've been, um, you know, basically, you know, just helping pull together uh, the structure. Um, and as it says, I'm advising on, you know, different metrics, uh, that, that we would use to look at the impact, uh, that we're having, um, also to identify, uh, organizations that, uh, could benefit from being part of this coalition. Thank you for highlighting that. And we do appreciate your help on the coalition. Uh, it's a really important program that SWE is involved in over the next few years. And finally, what advice do you have for our the women listening or women all over who want to become leaders? Well, you know, I think that, um, you know, when thinking about, uh, you know, your career, it you really have to make sure that you are planning your career, you know, with your life in mind and, you know, and everybody's life is different. And so you really need to understand what are those things that are most critical for you? You know, cause at the end of the day, no one, you know, says, I wish that I spent, you know, more time working, you know, you really want to make sure that you have a full life. Cause I think that as you as a person are fulfilled, you will also be a better um, employee and ultimately leader um, at work. I think the other thing is to, to be a leader, there is definitely empathy that's involved. You really need to understand, you know, the area that you're working in, but more importantly, the people that you're working with. Um, and in order to do that, there has to be a connection um, that is made between you and the folks in your group. Um, and the best way that I've known to do that is that you have to, you know, expose a part of yourself um, in order to make, you know, a true connection. Because, you know, what potentially 
motivates you isn't isn't what necessarily motivates the folks that work for you. And so you really need to have spend time on the relationship to really truly understand um, what it is that motivates people and then how you can create an environment that allows others to thrive. And I think that in, you know, in helping people, um, I've, I've found that there's, there's no, you know, greater reward than, you know, helping, you know, someone, um, find their way. Um, I think that, you know, people are really the key to a great team. And ultimately, if you have a great team, you will have great results. That's really great advice. Thank you so much, Alicia. And thanks for joining us on our Women Executives and Engineering series. Alicia Green is the General Manager of Upstream IT at Chevron. For SWE, this is Jonna Gherkin. And as always, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to explore additional offerings from SWE Advance at advancedlearning.swe.org.